0: tonight. I'm David Gascon. Do you know who this is? The Aggies. The Jazz. The High Schools. If it's the sport you care about,
1: we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 106.9 FM 1390 AM The Fan. And once again, a very pleasant good evening to you one and all here on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson there. I'm Al J. Salveson. It's 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, streaming on 106.9thefan.com. Hope you're having a good evening. If you're just joining us, getting into the car, turning on the radio, great to have you. Uh, You're more than welcome to be a part of our show. You can text in at 435-339-0321. You can call in at 435-752-1069. We'd love to hear from our wonderful listeners. Uh, we'll get to a lot here in hour number two. We talk some NBA basketball. We talk some jazz basketball. You'll get our predictions and our score and our, me, our keys to a jazz, what we hope to be a jazz win for game three tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Mountain time, that'll be on our very station. Uh, so our show will start late tomorrow. Expect it to start around 445, 5 o'clock, give or take. Uh, We'll recap what we hope to be a Jazz win, and then we'll have our pick six later on this evening. Uh, Tim Lacombe, former BYU men's basketball assistant, a current Utah Jazz radio network analyst, which you hear on this very station, will join us in about uh, 12, 13 minutes, and we'll be able to chat with him about Utah Jazz basketball, get his thoughts on Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and this Jazz Nuggets series. Uh, As you heard uh, in the top of the hour update, Orlando right now just getting crushed by Milwaukee. Welcome back to earth, Orlando. 48-30 right now. Milwaukee leads it. They're up by as much as 22 at one point. Miami over Indiana earlier today, 109-100. They now lead the series 2-0. And Houston does their job. They were down 80-77 in the fourth quarter. And then went on a absolute jaw-dropping 15-0 slash 17-3 to run. They win this game 111-98. And they lead that series two games though as well. Portland, Starring Damian Lillard, LeBron, and the Lakers tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Again, Jazz Nuggets tomorrow at 3 o'clock, or excuse me, 2 o'clock. They're hopeful to have Mike Conley back uh, if he finishes his quarantine. They have one more test, right? And they're hoping to get that back tomorrow before Game 3.
0: Yes. Yeah, so right now he's listed as probable just because he is currently physically not with the team. Um. But uh, the NBA said that if he continues to pass the protocols and passes coronavirus tests, he should be able to play on Friday with the Jazz. So continue to keep your fingers crossed and uh, that Mike Connolly will be able to join them. And it'll be interesting to get Tim's thoughts about what kind of an impact Mike Connolly will have on the series once he does return.
1: Hey, uh, I know we were going to talk some college football. I'm going to call an audible really quickly for you, okay? Maybe you want to save this for later. The Mountain West Wire put out their All-Mountain West Decade Basketball Team.
0: Oh, I haven't seen this.
1: Uh, coach of the Decade, you would guess would be who?
0: Coach of the Decade?
1: For the Mountain West. In the Mountain West. Um, Fisher. Exactly. Two hundred and thirteen 13 wins, 75%. San Diego State. Win percentage, five regular season championships, two conference tournament championships, six postseason appearances, and two Sweet 16s. Yes, sir, that will do it. Third team all decade would go to Cameron Barristo of New Mexico, Josh Adams of Wyoming, uh, Tony Snell of New Mexico, Skylar Spencer of San Diego State, Kendall Williams of New Mexico. The second team, and don't expect to see a lot of Utah State guys on this, so calm down, Derek Marks of Boise State, Chandler Hutchinson of Boise State, Cody Martin of Nevada, Kayla Martin of Nevada, James Franklin of San Diego State. That is your second team. Wow. Your first team, the Martin
0: Twins on the second team.
1: That okay. can make Nevada too happy. Your first team is Xavier Thames of San Diego State, Larry Nance Jr. of Wyoming, Sam Merrill of Utah State, Jimmer Fredette of BYU, Kawhi Leonard of San Diego State. No Namish Ishketa, despite him setting a couple of freshman records in the conference. Which I get.
0: Which, yeah, because his sophomore year was uh, you know, abbreviated. It took him a while to get into this into his sophomore campaign, but uh, interesting all decade team. Only one Aggie on that list. But and, who, else, but, who, but else, who else, else did you put, put on, on there? there?
1: Yeah, Jalen the last... Moore shouldn't be on there.
0: No, because no, you're right. Because he was, we liked him up here, but as an impact player in the Mountain West, those weren't really successful years. No, not at all.
1: And again, under Stu Morrill uh, and Tim Duryea. Sam Merrill, 100 games, 15.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 15.3 win shares. Uh, here's the thing. With Sam Merrill, it's not just about the numbers, but it's the fact that he's probably the best clutch shooter in Mountain West Conference history. I mean, what he did, and I know it's just, as BYU fans like to say, it was only three nights in Las Vegas. You can't get much of a sample. It was three nights in Las Vegas and some of the most incredible two. shooting you've ever seen. Yeah, back-to-back years. Um,
0: and it's not I, like he just came alive in those in those tournaments because he was a solid clutch player through the whole season.
1: Uh, counting his senior season according to Mount Lewis Merrill bumps up to second all time within the conference. His junior season, Merrill led the conference in scoring, came in third in assists, first in win shares, which led him to winning conference player of the year award. Uh, he's a two team or two time first team all conference player. His overall efficiency and impact as a score facilitator, and defender make him an easy choice at this spot. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he's second in scoring in the Mount West Conference in history behind Jimmer Fredette. And I think he's second in assist in Mount West Conference history as well. If I'm not wrong, he's second in both categories, which yes, sir, that would do it. Uh, Jimmer Fredette, by the way, received the second most votes in this poll. Um, I mean, dude, he was incredible. Uh, the thing is, is Kawhi Leonard beat him out, so I'm I'm guessing a lot of Aztec fans probably took to the poll or at least had a say in the poll for some reason. But Jimmer Fredette is more than more than uh, qualified to be on this list in the first team. But Sam Merrill joins Jimmer and Kawhi Leonard, Larry Nance Jr. By Larry Nance Jr. was a beast. That guy he was, was tough. so
0: good. He was tough.
1: Is he still with the Lakers? No, he's with Cleveland. That tells you a whole lot about Larry Nash Jr. After college, poor guy. I guess he's still playing, so I shouldn't say. Yeah, anything. he's still in the league. Still I have a heavy contributor. I can't remember what the trade was. It for Brandon Ingram. I can't remember how he ended up in Cleveland. I want to say it was for Brandon Ingram in like a three-team trade somehow, which is brutal. That's so brutal. You go from LA to Cleveland. Well, I think
0: Jordan Clarkson was part of that deal that went from LA to Cleveland.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. Brandon Ingram was a part of like the pal- it was another three team deal, and one of the teams was from the Eastern Conference. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Detroit. Yeah, that's unreal. I, that's such a kick in the gut, though, man. You go from you go from playing with LeBron James to playing with dude, I he mean, went from playing with Andrew
0: Wiggins, maybe he went with going, playing with uh, Kobe
1: Bryant. Yeah, that's true. He was with Kobe, huh? His final year, two years, I want to say. I think it was his final ye- year. He was a rookie when uh, Kobe Bryant was just about to retire. That's that's incredible. That sucks, too, for Larry Nance. I love the guy, too. And he was a heck of a ball player, Wyoming, without a doubt. Uh, Milwaukee right now, 57-36 over Orlando. This game is probably, I could honestly say, with two and a half minutes left in the first half, over. <laughs> with all due respect to you, uh,
0: yeah, Milwaukee's out there asserting themselves. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they are, they're 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 uh, they're not playing patty cake today. The, today they're gonna take it serious. So hey, uh, really quickly, what do you think happens in game two with the Lakers and Portland? Is it really a legit series? Well, sure, this, it is. Or is this just a uh, hey? Look, Portland got one. It happens.
0: Uh, there is that element, but I think that uh, Portland exposed the Lakers' flaws. They don't have good guard play. I mean, LeBron had an incredible game. Uh, he set some records you know, with how well he, he did, uh, playing the point guard and, and doing other things, a lot of different things. Um, but Orlando showed that it's not just Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Whiteside and Nurkic can hold their own in the paint against, um, against Anthony Davis. So I think it is a series. Uh is it fool's gold to think that it's going to be a sweep? Yeah, it's not going to be a sweep. Uh LeBron James and the Lakers, Anthony Davis, they're we're still very very good. But I think it's going to be a really interesting series. Yeah, I, I I think ultimately it's still the Lakers in 6. But it could very easily be Portland in 6 or six, 7. yeah,
1: 7 maybe. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, you're going to hear from Tim McLome. He's part of the Utah Jazz radio network team. Uh, you hear him pre, half, and post here on this very station. Former BYU men's basketball assistant coach. Uh, we're g- you're going to talk to him a little bit about the Jazz Nuggets series in Game Three, what he thinks of Games One and Two so far, and uh, much, much more. So and there's on.
0: also some stuff too. We're going to get to later on this hour about uh, college football. If you didn't, if your conference is not going to play football in the fall, the NCAA is sending a lifeline for coaches to still do some things give them some latitude to do some things with their players, but it's not universally accepted. Not every coach loves the idea. So we'll explain that as well coming up a little bit later on this hour.
1: That's pretty good. I like that teaser. Really good. Broadcasting school has done you well. It's
0: national radio day.
1: It is national. I forgot. It's national radio day. Yeah. What did you get me?
0: A picture of a radio on my Twitter account. (laughs) Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Eric Franson there. I'm Aljay Salveson, 106.9 The Fan. Full Court Press. Happy to have you joining us. 5.15 your time right now. Jazz Nuggets tomorrow, Game 3, Pivotal 1 at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. You can hear that game on this very station, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, you'll hear the pre, half, and post game. And that's where we jump to now next, part of that pre, half, and post game. And he's also a former BYU men's basketball assistant coach. And above all, he's just an incredibly, incredibly good man. It's uh, Coach Tim Lacombe joining us here on the Full Court Press. Coach, thanks for your time. Great to have you.
2: Great. Right. Thank you so much. I don't think I've ever had anybody say that about me from Logan, so... Yeah, you've got you
1: to gotta have DJ and PK be better. I mean, look, if they're going to have you on their show, they got to... Well, he did qualify from Logan. Oh, that's a good point. Typ-
2: yeah. Typically, typically, when the way that it would work is we'd arrive in Logan night before the game for shoot-around, um, and we'd be greeted by a couple hundred people telling us you know, that we're entering the bowels of hell. <laughs> and... Uh, didn't have very nice things to say about my mom or my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear some good folks up there.
1: You know? Oh, man, Tim, you're one of the best in the business. I had the honor and pleasure of working with you uh, for a game in the Beehive Classic, and you were just an absolute blast and, and consummate professional, no one better than you. And so it's, it's great to have you on the show. Honor and privilege. Well, uh,
2: it's nice of you to say, man. Thank you. Hey,
1: Coach, uh, Nuggets Jazz Series now split at one apiece. What differences did you see between Game 1 and Game 2?
2: You know what? uh, Really, it's it's a funny game, and and basketball momentum's really fickle. But um, you know, really, the 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 story of Game One was was Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, and Jamal Murray basically going back and forth at each other. Um, I have always absolutely loved Jamal Murray, even back to the college days watching him play. Um, Just one of those guys that can get you a basket from anywhere at any point in time and Seems like the bigger the situation, the better he gets. Um, and then Donovan's obviously playing just a terrific level. So that game really kind of went um, went back and forth momentum and Denver ended up kind of outlasting the Jazz. But I feel like the Jazz kind of found some things last game, um, you know, in the way that they uh, operated pick and roll um, and and really, most importantly, just shot a fell for them, you know, from three. The way the Jazz play, they have to make threes to be um, to be really as good as they want to be. Uh, and they're going to get them, but it's a matter of whether they knock them down or not. So um felt like the Jazz just played a little bit more, the aggressor, a little more on attack from the beginning, and then just kind of rode Donovan's momentum through the whole thing. Donovan did a great job of finding guys.
0: Did you, watching that game, did you get the sense that Denver saw the performance that Donovan had in game one, but still the team didn't get the win that look this this guy gave us his best shot they still didn't get the win we can take care of these guys and just overlooked utah
2: no uh, you know what's interesting I, you hear that a lot on the outside i don't know really uh, how much of that goes on I, I almost tend to believe that um you know little tweaks here and there by by the players something they learn from game to game you know maybe something the coaches found specifically um and then just Donovan. Most importantly, Donovan being a willing passer. You know, it's a, it's really a great trait that he has. That he can draw, and create, um, you know, help, based basically on one or two dribbles, and then he's just great at finding guys. And and then what really has to happen for that to be successful? He's got to make the shot. So, um, you know, Jazz did a great job of moving it. Uh, the ball did not stick. Um, and then guys on the, on the receiving end knock shots
0: down. You brought up pick-and-roll defense a little bit earlier and uh, some of the adjustments, little adjustments that the Jazz made. It seemed like Denver really struggled with their pick-and-roll offense. And, I mean, as a complete unprofessional, <laughs> it seemed to me that the Jazz were doing a much better job of taking away passing lanes. And so it made it a little more difficult for Jokic to get the ball where he wanted, or even Murray, uh, and it forced them into second, third, and fourth options from where they perhaps wanted to start the play?
2: Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's that's really, from a coaching perspective, that's what um, that's what you're trying to do. You know, you're trying to say, what is option A and B and even C, and how do we get them to, to option D? Um, and, and some, you know, some teams that's easier to do than others. I mean, you can say that with James Harden. Um, you know, just trap him, take him away, but he is such an elite passer um that, you know, it doesn't always work. But Feel like that—that's what a coach tries to do. So, yeah, you, that was that was actually pretty professional, Eric. You were.
1: Oh, don't, were, don't, coach. Please don't do that. We need I to didn't. record that and put <laughs> that on a loop. <laughs> we're not rolling, actually. So, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, coach, you have a different eye than guys like Eric and I see the game. What have you seen out of Juwan Morgan as game Coach Snyder so much trust in him as in the games one and two?
2: You know, I don't know a ton about Juwan, but what I can tell you from history and. You know, you want to have confidence that that a, a guy is going to give you everything he has. I think that at the NBA level, you know, guys particularly on the fringe, I mean, that's what they live for is that opportunity. Um, and then, most, almost more important than that is just an understanding of of what you're trying to do. Um, you know, you can get guys that are very talented and perhaps more talented than other guys, but particularly in this situation where Jawan's kind of joining a group that hasn't played a ton with them all year long you just want a guy who's going to go out there and a play hard and be just know where he's supposed to be and when he's supposed to be there um and all the other stuff kind of works itself out we went through you know you guys talked about uh, a little bit about jimmer um obviously the 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 situation with jimmer his freshman year he didn't start one game for us you know uh, and I think maybe that could tell you why I'm sitting in the corporate America now, because you can figure out we had Jim Rose as a freshman. But, um, you know, in all honesty, though, I mean, we, we had a really great option, Murdoch, who's, uh, my understanding, is a Logan guy. Yes. Um, and, and Ben was, you know, Ben was seasoned and had played a long time and was mature. And he most importantly knew, you know, we had a talented group out there. We had uh, guys like Playstead and Kamard and, and Tavenari. And so we really needed a point guard who just understood what we were trying to do and get the ball where where it needed to go. Um, and Jimmer came in from the start, you know, and it was a great thing, but Jim was always thinking, how can I get this ball in the basket? So there was a little bit of a, a situation where we went with maybe, um, and this is no knock on Ben because you know, Jimmer ended up being National Player of the Year, but we went with a guy who was maybe a little less talented for a guy who really did understand what we were trying to do and just kind of fit that role better. So that's probably the same situation Juwan's going through right now. It's, he's joining a team. He's got some familiarity with the, with the guys, but he just can play hard, make get extra possessions, knock down open shots, and just not get in the way.
0: Juwan Morgan has certainly been um, a nice bright spot for the Jazz. and uh, You, you talked about the change of Donovan Mitchell from Game One to Game Two. Another guy that I felt like had more of an impact in Game Two compared to Game One was Royce O'Neal. Uh, I thought that his defensive presence on Murray was much more effective, and I thought he was more of a um, more of a contributor offensively as well for the Jazz. And I think that made a big difference uh, for Utah. What what have you seen in Royce O'Neal, and how important is he to the success of this this series for the Utah Jazz? Uh,
2: you know, I think. Th- I think Royce is really, really important to the Jazz overall because he is the guy who gets probably the toughest assignment night in and night out defensively, and he's going to guard guys bigger than him, and he'll guard guards as well, and so the fact that he's versatile and has the ability to kind of keep bigger guys away from the basket and smaller guys at bay, you know, not giving up straight line drives, um, he's a guy you really lean on, and then you know, I think his effort and intensity is pretty similar night in and night out. I think that's the kind of his hallmark. Um, but where he becomes so valuable is he's a guy, you know, you're going to have Gobert rolling. You're going to have Joe spotted up. You get Donovan with the ball in his hand. Um, and, you know, the one guy you're going to probably say, oh, we'll take our chances sucking off a little bit is, you know, uh, on defense is, is off of uh, – is Royce's man. So it's just, uh, you know, that's going to be really important because he's going to get a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. And that's kind of what his role is on this team. It's three and D. Um, and, and it's funny because he makes a few shots and it seems maybe he's playing better defense. You know, that, that's even an error sometimes you make as a coach. But more than anything, he's going to get similar shots and he's going to play hard defensively. It's, hey, can I knock down open ones? And, and yeah, I think him... He is an X factor for this series because I think he is a guy that can guard and cause problems for Murray, um, but also offensively. You know, he's going to get shots and he's proven he can, you know, knock them down at forty percent or better. Um, the Jazz are going to be in a good place.
1: What do you see uh, happening in tomorrow's Game Three?
2: Uh, it's int- it'll be interesting because there's always tweaks, and that's kind of the beauty of the NBA playoffs. I I, I don't really. Love the NBA all year long, um, but man, the playoffs—that's where everything kind of gets fine-tuned. And coaches are doing everything they can. It's like a chess match, you know, really high-level chess match. So I love all, everything that goes into it. My expectation was is that Denver has got to do a, you know, do something to try to commit to get the ball out of Donovan's hands. Um, I almost wonder if maybe they let Rudy um, get some maybe the jazz might have some rules open up, you know, because everybody's so worried about shooters. Um, and that may be something that where it's a two pointer as opposed to a the three, they're going to make, you know, Rudy more of a score. Um, but I would have to think Denver's going to have to do something to just really slow Donovan's rhythm down and get the ball out of his hands and not let him, uh, whether it's trapping ball screens or running two guys at him as he crosses half court, just to get the ball out of his hands and not let him get in a rhythm would be my guess. um, it's always interesting on the other end because, you know, in my mind, Jokic is one of the great players in the league, but Rudy tends to really kind of neutralize him and they need him to be great to, to, for them to, to win the series. And speaking of Denver, um, and that's where the Jazz, I think that's why I feel like from the beginning, I felt like it was a great matchup because Jokic is so key to them. And I feel like Rudy more than anybody perhaps in the league neutralizes him. Um, so I feel, I'm confident with the Jazz figuring out a way to win tomorrow, and I actually have, I picked them to win the, the series as well, so uh, I think they'll do that.
1: Utah Jazz Radio Network analyst and former BYU men's basketball assistant coach, Jim Lacombe, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Coach, you understand the importance and the imperativeness of a relationship with players, uh, from a coaching member to a player. Johnny Bryant will take the uh, head associate job in New York under Tom Thibodeau. Does that, is it similar of the relationship or the importance of the relationship with a player and coach in college as it is in the NBA? I ask because Donovan Mitchell, a day after scoring 57, the war, the fear is that Donovan might go and head to New York to play with Johnny Bryant because of the relationship with each other.
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting, and congrats to Johnny. Johnny was actually um, the guy who played for us at Utah when I was there. And um, Johnny's one of the... Uh, great young coaches, but more importantly, one of the great people in the country. Um, it's not out of the ordinary, even you know at my old rusty age to uh, get a text every now and again from Johnny who's um, out there setting the world on fire. so um, it's always awesome to see people to kind of remember people along the journey, but I'm so happy for Johnny. Um, I would have to think that's part of New York's positioning. Um, Johnny's also Notoriously tight and grew up in the same uh, area as Damian Lillard, um, just a few years ahead of him. So, um, played for the same AAU team as well. So, there's got to be something to that. Also, with the fact that Jamie's just great at what he does, uh, he's one of the the best, you know, known player development guys in the NBA. So, I think guys like him and they like working with him. But the X factor and the thing you always got to remember is. You know, it's a long way for Donovan between now and then, um, you know, a lot of things can happen in a positive light and a lot of things can happen in a tough light. And that's why, you know, looking three years down the road and the other thing is, well, you know, what's the tenure of a New York Nick assistant coach? How long does that typically last? You know, so there's a lot of things that actually have to happen for those to stack up.
0: Yeah, uh, Great um, point. Will that coaching yeah. staff still even be in place?
2: Yeah, I mean, coaching's so fickle, man. You you see guys all the time have a great year, and the next year they struggle, and they're out on their ear, and it's just it's the nature of it. So when you talk three years in a coaching situation, man, you you might as well, yeah, it, that's a long way away.
0: Speaking about coaching, just let's talk about Quinn Snyder. As you've observed him, you've worked uh, with him in, in various different capacities, just the type of mind that he has and the type of preparation that he'll He'll put in to get the Jazz ready for Game Three and and, and to play well in this series. Um, and what kind of adjustments do you think you know he might make coming into Game Three?
2: Well, you know I think when's the ultimate um, you know tactician. I I go back to last year when the Jazz played the Rockets um, in the first round and the Jazz kind of came up with the you know jumping up all the way up on Harden's left side and even though he got a full head of steam. Like, it, it didn't look great the first game. The second game, the Jazz got better at it. By the end of the series, not only was it ultra-effective, but everybody else that played the Rockets employed it. I mean, you still see it now. Um, and I think that's what Quinn is. I think he's a, a guy who thinks outside the box. Um, I, I think there's guys who kind of do what they do, and then there's guys that are always constantly tweaking and trying to find advantages. And I think Quinn's that type of guy. I, I really I don't know him great personally, but I've, I've I've got so much respect for what he's done through his career and, and really kind of what he's done with the Jazz since he's got here. Um, and it's fun because I have two guys, Johnny and Alex Jensen, who were both uh, players on staffs I was on. Um, so it's just cool to see all that stuff kind of come together. But I can't say enough positive about Quinn. I think he's uh, he's a guy, and I think this is probably the best compliment you could pay him Uh, He's a guy that players trust, and I think he does a great job as a communicator. And and he has a vision, and I think guys believe it and buy it. And um, that's, as you guys know, that's that's 90% of the game.
1: Coach, the Mountain West Wire all-decade team uh, for the Mountain West Conference just came out today. Uh, Three guys that you are extremely, extremely familiar with are all on the first team, that being your own, Jimmer Fredette a guy you faced and gave you trouble, Kawhi Leonard, and, of course, Sam Merrill from Utah State. Ken I know it's a loaded question, so forgive me for this, but can you talk about what all three had as an impact, not only on their teams, but on the conference as well?
2: Yeah, I I, I think that's awesome. And what what a group of guys, right? I mean, you talk about, um, you know, start with, because we're talking Logan, let's we'll talk, start with Sam. I mean, here's a guy that, um, you know, from the high, from young, from a young age, all that kid did uh, was win. Didn't matter what club team he was on. Um, his high school teams won state championships. You know, he went to Logan and absolutely tore it up for four years. I, I am such a Sam Merrill guy. Um, I had an awesome opportunity to recruit him. I don't think we were ever in the game. Um, but you talk about a kid with. Nothing but respect. Um, lowers his head, gets it done. I, I, I think that he's a guy, if you, if you want to sum up his career, um, is, I think, he, he, similar to Tyler Hawes, who I coached, just consistent. Um, you know, very rarely did you see a night where Sam just didn't have it. And, I mean, that's, that's so hard to, what these guys go through, the, the travel, the knocking around in practice, you know, trying to maintain school and being married and being an amateur and not having a ton of money go down the list. But his ability to be consistently good um, was was really, really impressive. And um, he's a guy who, having coached against him, he's the number one guy on the scouting report every night, um, you know, from about his sophomore year on. And I just feel like his um, – his leadership and consistency, I think is the hallmark he'll lead there. Um, Jim was a guy who, you know, it really kind of became a phenomenon. Um, Jimmer was, in my mind, he kind of transcended the game. Um, you know, what he did in 2010, 11, you know, you started seeing even the NBA played a little bit different. And, you know, you started seeing guys, you know, shoot it from quote unquote, Jimmer range in the NBA. And now it's, you got Dame night in and night out pulling up from the logo. Um, I think Jimmer there, there's something I think he he was um, in my mind a little bit revolutionary, which I really always kinda like. He, you know, wouldn't be seen as the toughest guy. People didn't think he was, you know, always competed defensively, which is probably fair. Um, but I mean you talk about just absolute, you know, knock your stocks off uh, games that you know, you just can't get enough of. And I'll share. I hope I, okay to take just a minute. But we went out. We went back to playing Glen's Falls, um, Jim's senior year, which is his hometown. You know, it's such a cool old New York town, upstate. And it was funny because my wife and I went for a walk that day, and there were a couple bars, um, you know, with Michelin and Coors, and they had BYU flags hanging there too. <laughs> <was> just so <laughs> Um but. I'm telling you, man, I walked into that arena and you talk about the special guys like Sam, who I believe is as special as they come. Jim was a special guy. Um, and walking into that arena that night and when we started to get the announce, you know, the PA announcer took the mic. I mean, there wasn't a person that wasn't just buzzing in that town to see him play. Um, and I think that's kind of the effect that guys like he and Sam, who I have on, communities right Um, and then the last guy Kawhi was just I tell this all the time but when he was a freshman our game plan on him actually his whole college career was gap him four feet and make him shoot a jumper and then make sure you block him out because that was the best thing he did he was an elite rebounder um, particularly his own miss so um, I think what Kawhi did is he took San Diego State to heights they'd never been before I mean I think Jimmer did the same thing uh at BYU and in Sam you know um, Utah State's had a ton of success but I just think Sam's consistency and legacy will always be just a, a local guy who stayed true to you know his parents went there he in my mind an Aggie uh, offer was as good as a Duke offer and that's all he ever really wanted and just knew who he was and did what he did and I fully expect that kid to play in the NBA. I think somebody's going to, um, you know, there's a bunch of guys that do a lot of homework, but they're going to see the greatness we've all seen.
0: Actually, I was going to ask a follow up on that. Do you think that Sam has a future in the NBA? Some draft boards uh, put him in the second round. Some guys are overlooking Sam.
2: No, I, I think he totally does. I mean, you know, the guy that reminds me a little bit of Sam, you see him playing the, you know, a pretty vital role for a really good team right now. Um, is the Raptors, um, and Matt Thomas is a guy that comes off the bench for them. About six five, kind of a do everything guy. Really can score it tough. Can guard. Um, those are types of guys that stick in that league. Um, I don't know how the draft will work out. I mean, it's so crazy anyway this year with COVID, um, and how the you know combine is going to be done virtually and all that stuff. But I do I do know. Uh, regardless of whether he gets drafted or not. If somebody gives him a chance, he's going to stick.
1: Coach, I hope you know that you are uh, a gem of a human being. Honestly, you do a hell of a job on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. It's an honor and privilege to be able to listen to you. Uh, We look forward to hearing your thoughts tomorrow.
2: guys, no problem. Thanks so much. And uh, anytime, AJ, Eric, I join you guys, let me know I'd love to do it. Yeah, we'll do it again. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks.
0: All right, uh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, some of his thoughts about uh, not only the Utah Jazz, but uh, Sam Merrill and the Old Mountain West days. And um, but uh, this is this is going to be a very interesting chess match between Coach Malone and Coach Snyder uh, in this series. I I like Coach Malone. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, We know that uh, Coach Snyder goes goes deep on a lot of different levels. So. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting series as it continues. Again, Utah Jazz taking on the Denver Nuggets. Pre-game uh, coverage will begin here on the fan starting at about one fifty tomorrow afternoon. Tip-off expected to be about 2 o'clock. Now, game two didn't really get started until about 2.15 because the game before it went a little bit long. But uh, that's what's scheduled to take place, and that's what we're going to plan on. Uh, and then uh, when the game concludes, we'll be back on the air as it will cut into the full-court press a little bit, but we happily yield to the Utah Jazz broadcast.
1: Yeah, and we hopefully will happily yield to a Game 3 win as well. We're going to take a break. Come back, we're going to talk some college football. We'll take. A, we'll keep that to be in a short segment. Come back, pick six, keys to Game 3, and a prediction on what will happen for the Nuggets in Jazz. Full-court press. 106.9, The
0: Fan. It's the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Full Court Press. Big thanks to Coach Tim Lacombe for joining us here on the Full Court Press. Great stuff. We'll have him on again. He is an absolute gem of a human being and, and – uh Really good analysis and such. So big thanks to him. Eric, college football news. So a couple different things. First,
0: uh, one-fifth of ACC schools have coronavirus outbreaks right now.
1: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Uh, A lot of them are sending their students home uh, from campus and doing online learning, but they're still moving forward with with football. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can still manage that and justify that. If students can't be on campus, but your athletes can, uh, you know, how do you how do you continue to manage that? How much longer? How how far can you take that? Um, but the, another thing too, with those schools and conferences that have opted not to play this fall, uh, NCAA's Division One Council just yesterday approved a twelve-hour schedule for for those schools and those teams that aren't going to be doing anything. And that time can be used for strength and conditioning, uh, meetings. You can do on-field activities with helmets. You can't do full 11 on 11 or seven on seven drills, but you can do some things with different groups and, uh, and different positions. Um, but, uh, it's, it's currently in place starting Monday, and we'll go until October fourth, so it's a twelve-hour model. It gives them uh, gives them some time to still do some things with their teams, to keep them active, to still be engaged, to develop your, their their players. Uh, but there was a lot of discussion about making it twenty hours, uh, and they ultimately decided that that was too much. Uh, West Virginia Athletic Director Shane Lyons, who who chairs the committee said that 20 hours was too much in the fall, especially if uh, if those athletes are going to compete in the spring. Uh, but Penn State's James Franklin, he came out saying that he wants more time. He feels like they need more time. They do,
1: and that's a fair point.
0: If, if teams in the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC, if they're full-on playing games and he's limited to only 12 hours, it just doesn't it just isn't fair is what not he's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State, though, they say, yeah, it's good balance. <laughs> there were some that only wanted eight. So they
1: settled on 12. So did you see the tweet from the uh, excuse me, Mississippi governor about some of the roles that they're going to be handing down in regards to fans and such? Did you see this? I did not see it, no. So Tate Reeves is the governor of Mississippi. And he, uh, he starts to kind of lay down some rules, such as the fact that he's signing an executive order to, uh, to govern how f- college football operates stadiums this fall. Um, and he says, and he, he really goes on this little temper tantrum, if you want to say that. He says, some states have opted out not to make any sort of effort to play football this fall. I believe we can try. We, we just can't abandon athletes in the culture. He says, first and probably most importantly, seating capacity in the bowl will be limited to 25%. Mass will be required whenever you're walking around or entering and or exiting, basically at all times unless you're sitting in your seat away from everyone else. Then, he puts this out. I know this will not be popular, but there will be no game day social gatherings around stadiums. Rallies, parties, tailgates. It's no fun, but it's what allows the athletes to play. I'd still rather be in the SEC with no football tailgate than be in the Pac-12 or Big Ten with no football, period. <laughs> like... Dude, hey, I mean, that's a, kick them while they're down, though. Yeah.
0: You know, that's college football rivalries. I have no problem with what he
1: said. You don't? I, I, I mean, Come on. I love it. I don't just kick someone like that. Right <laughs> <in the coin. laughs> I think it's funny. All right, Dell, let's go ahead and take a break really quickly. Wait, before oh. we do that, just yes. last, real quick. Yes,
0: please. Green Bay Packers had their first practices on Lambeau Field today. Jordan Love got his first experience in Lambeau. A lot of pictures circulating on Twitter, uh, Aaron Rodgers talking with him, giving him pointers, Um, Green Bay Packers actually released a short video, some comments from Jordan Love and just how it's, uh, he calls a crazy feeling being (laughs) on Lambeau Field.
1: Hey son, how was your day today? Well mom, I uh, was playing on Lambeau Field and playing catch with Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Not too bad. (laughs) Not too bad. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, pick six and predictions and keys for the game three of the Nuggets and Jazz, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press.
0: Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Closing up a Thursday evening on the full court press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, 106 on the fan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salison, thanks for joining us. Spending your uh, evening with us, it's been great. Hope you've had as much fun as we have in bringing the show to you. Milwaukee running over the Magic by 1784 67 with three minutes and change left in the third. Again, Miami and Houston are winners. They both take 2 0 series leads in their respective uh, series here in the first round. Uh, Let's do pick six first and then on Eric I want to get your keys and your prediction for tomorrow's game three two o'clock again our show will start late we'll start, we'll, we'll begin as soon as we are done with the uh, uh, post game starring Jake Scott, Gordon Monson and Tim Lacombe. So as soon as they are ending we'll start up and we'll get going plan around 4:45 five o'clock unless this thing goes over time. Uh, Eric pick six what do you got for me on the uh, first one?
0: I think there's a good regional matchup on Friday in high school football, and it's a non-region game, but it's a regional game, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Green Canyon versus Box Elder. Mm -hmm. Who you got in that one? It's straight pick them. Yeah, Green Canyon Canyon or Box Elder. Green Canyon. Green Canyon by a lot. I'm also going to go with Green Canyon. Okay. uh, Mike Connolly points for the Utah Jazz on Sunday. Game four. Game four. 12.5 points. Mike Conley points on Sunday versus the Denver Nuggets. Got him at 12.5 points. You take the over or the under?
1: (laughs) Man. I'm going to say under.
0: I'm going to take the over on that one. And the last one for me, the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox interleague play. The two Chicago teams square off in a three-game series this weekend. (laughs) After it's all said and done, who wins the series and what's the record? Neither
1: team. Uh, (laughs) It's a three-game series? Three-game series. I'm going to say White Sox 2-1. If to go Sox 2-1, I'm going to go Cubs 2-1. As you probably should, Eric. I probably should take Cubs
0: 3-0, but the way they've played the last week has me concerned. Okay, what
1: have you got? Oh, <laughs> uh, Of course you would. Uh, Portland, LA, Lakers to 9 Damian Lillard, 39.5 points over under. <laughs> Woo!
0: So Lillard points versus the Lakers... Thursday at 39 and a half. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the under.
1: I'm going to take the over. <laughs> wow. Why are you surprised?
0: Uh they'll he'll, they'll probably need him to do something <laughs> like that to stay in the series.
1: Yeah, that's crazy that you're surprised by that. I don't know why you are. Okay. Uh let's uh let's go to the high school football schedule. I, by the way, I liked your pick on a uh, box to Green Canyon. Um I'm going to go ahead and dance to the uh Bear River versus Morgan. This this used to be a really good rivalry mm. when they were both in 3A. Yes. Uh who do you got?
0: Uh Bear River and or Morgan.
1: Morgan? Yep. At Bear River by the way.
0: Uh mm, Bear River's without their starting quarterback. Yep, for at least through 2 to 3 weeks.
1: Um, I'm still going to go with Bear River. And I'm going to go with Morgan. Bear River just got a great running game. I think Morgan's going to be just a little bit too much. So, uh, I'll go with... Fair uh, enough. I'll go with Morgan. And then, uh, Saturday, me, Friday afternoon's matchup, uh, so mine, mine are going to be way early, but Friday afternoon's matchup, Game 3, Nuggets and Jazz, Jamal Murray, 24 and a half points over under.
0: Ooh. Jamal Murray points 24 and a half. I'm going to, man, that's a really good line. Yeah. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the over.
1: (laughs) That's too good of a line. I'm going to take the under. That's about where I would guess he'd be.
0: Oh, that's a really good line, Ajay. Okay, so the pick six again for this weekend. Uh, Green Canyon or Box Elder in high school football, straight pick. Uh, we both picked the Green Canyon. Uh, Mike Connolly points against the Nuggets on Sunday at twelve and a half. I went over. You went under. Uh, Cubs, White Sox. Uh, they have a three-game series in Chicago this weekend. Uh, I have the Cubs winning two games to one. You have the Sox winning two games to one. Uh, Damian Lillard points versus the Lakers tonight, 39 and a half. I took the under, you took the over. Uh, Pick'em between Bear River or Morgan. I picked Bear River, you took Morgan. And then Jamal Murray points against the Jazz tomorrow at 24 and a half. I took the over, you took the under. By the way, if you want to pick games, go check out our Preps Pick'em Contest. You could win $100 from McDonald's this week if you can get the, the highest score in our picks of the high school games taking place this weekend. Go to 1069thefan.com, and uh, there's a big banner there. Click on that. Get registered. Make your selections. And if you have the best overall score, you could win $100 to McDonald's. The whole contest is courtesy of Logo Shop, your uh, headquarters for club, competitive teams, they can logo your your shirts, your jerseys, and even your masks. If you want a team logo on a mask, they can take care of that for you. So big props and thanks to Logo Shop for making this all happen. So Eric prediction check it for out.
1: Eric prediction for tomorrow Nuggets Jazz game 3.
0: Um I actually I think it'll be the Nuggets in 5 points or less.
1: Yep, I think it's the Nuggets by around 5 points. Uh I think they make some adjustments offensively. We're going to find out who really is the better coach here between Malone and Snyder. We've seen the guard matchup play out. The big man matchup play. I think it's a coaching matchup tomorrow. That's going to be a factor. I think the Nuggets end up winning.
0: Well, and I think it'd be a big factor. The bench, too. Huge bench. Whose unsung heroes really stand up?
1: All right, everybody. Good night. Enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.